We are in a series called It All Begins with a Seed. It all started with a seed. And I want to talk about this. I really want to just kind of take some time in this series because I really believe God is, is speaking some things to us concerning this, concerning sowing, planting seed. Book of Genesis chapter 8, and I believe it's around verse 22, uh, talks about as long as the earth remains, there's cold and heat, winter and summer, seed time and harvest. And so it's one of God's laws. It's, it's part of the kingdom of God. You know, the kingdom of God is, is different than what we're used to. Okay, we, we're used to this, uh, you know, democracy and that type of thing. And the kingdom of God is, is totally different. It's both a commonwealth and a kingdom. You know, God takes care of us and he is a good king. And so in any government setup, you're going to have a set of laws. I don't care whether it's democracy or, you know, whether it's a communistic government or socialism or what, something in between. You have a set of laws, and it is so in the kingdom of God. There are certain laws, and one of those laws is the law of sowing and reaping. It is a law. I remember coming to this church years ago, and, uh, you know, I, I was a beneficiary, you know, of, of that law. Uh, he probably doesn't even remember, but I had a car, and uh, one of the tires blew out on the car. And, uh, you know, I was talking about it with somebody at church on that Sunday, and Eldon, you probably don't even remember, you gave me a tire. He said, I got an extra tire. I know, you, I know, so many years ago, he said, I got a tire out here in the truck. I think it'll work on your car. And then if he said, it doesn't work on your car, give it to somebody else. And I said, oh, that's how this thing works. You know, you just, you give, you know, and you sow and let God take care of the rest. I want to tell you what I'm not talking about in this series. I'm not talking about some get rich quick scheme. Okay, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about uh, doing something so that God will bless me. You know, I want my bank account to grow. So how do I do that? You know, th three easy steps to God filling your bank account. Okay. In fact, the truth of the matter is uh, you don't have to worry about that if God has your heart. He will take care of that. And see, when you focus on that, then your trust is in your bank account. But God says if your trust is in me, you won't have to worry about your bank account. Come on, somebody. I'm also not talking about you being poor and impoverished and walking around with your head down all the time. Because that's not the way God would want you either. I know Jesus said the poor will be with us always. But God desires to bless you, to see you overcome for the purpose of growing his kingdom. Come on. He wants us to live an abundant life. I'm not, I didn't say that. Jesus said it. Come on. In uh, John 10.10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that you might have life and have it what? more abundantly. One of the things that we do, folks, is we, when we listen to the Word of God, we read the Word of God, we hear a word from the Lord, we try to take that Word and put it in context based on our own experiences, based on what we know, based on knowledge, based on science, based on the three-dimensional world, based on our five senses. We try to put our own personal experiences and we judge the Word of God that way. And God says, my word is higher above anything. I, I'm able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. My ways are high above your ways. You must look up to my ways. Don't bring my word down to you. Come on, somebody. And then try to fit it into your world. 
<laughs> Don't come up with a theology and then try to find scripture that fits your theology. Forget all of that. I remember when I first started in the ministry, really started in pastoral ministry, uh, Dietrich and I got a word, and one, one of, we got many words, but one of the words was, throw, you have a blueprint because you've been in church your whole life. He was talking to me. The Lord was talking to me through a prophet. Been in church your whole life, and you, there's a blueprint you have. He said, throw the blueprint away. Throw that blueprint away because God has something totally different, a different direction, a different way. Don't you come up with your own plan. Don't come into this thing with your plans. You come in free with the table clear and allow God to fill the table. Come on. And that's the way we have to approach God's word. Mark chapter 4, uh, I'm looking, I'm going to start down in about verse 20, 24. Listen to, what, uh, listen to what Jesus says here. You, you've, some of you heard this before, but listen to what he says. He says, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. He says, take heed to what you hear. Now, turn over to Luke. I just have a few scriptures. Uh, we're going to go a couple places this morning. Turn over to Luke chapter 8. This is the same instance, but Luke just puts a little different spin on it, okay? Just, just notice how Luke tells this a little bit different. Remember, Jesus said, take heed what you hear. Take heed. Be careful about what you hear. Luke put it this way down in verse 18. Therefore, take heed how you hear. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and whoever does not have, even what he seems to have will be taken from him. So not only do, do we need to take heed what we hear, we need to take heed how we hear it. In other words, again, don't put our own spin on the word of God. It must be revelatory to us. We must pray, and we must see what God is trying to say. I remember a cute little story uh, where a, a young man uh, as a boy was in church and he heard the preacher say, marvel not. And this young man, uh, he, he liked to play marbles. I heard this from another guy who gave a sermon. And uh, he liked to play marbles and he heard marble not. And so he came under conviction and so he got rid of all his marbles. And it was not until he was in his late 20s that he realized, well, this, he didn't say marble not, he said marvel not. And so the whole time he had been living, uh, you know, not doing something that he loved to do simply because of how he heard something. Take heed how you hear, how you hear. Now, God is trying to teach us something when he talks about reaping and sowing. I go back to uh, the Israelites and how God brought them out of Egypt and how the how that he taught them so many things in the wilderness that wilderness experience how many know sometimes when you have a wilderness experience it's a good teaching moment God teaches us a lot of things in that wilderness experience we have to learn how to take God at his word you know it's about the word of God come on I mean I don't know uh, about you or where you're at in your walk but I know for me 
you know, I'm tired of just, you know, having itching ears and, you know, being inspired for a moment. Uh, it's about the word of the Lord. I mean, that's where it is. Uh, it's about God's word. And so we have to take him at his word. And I was thinking about uh, over in, well, in fact, turn over to Deuteronomy for me. We're going to go to a couple of different scriptures. God, God teaches us something. There's something he wants to show us, and there's just there's one principle. If nothing else, I want to get across to you today. Because this thing about sowing and reaping, uh, we, in, in other words, in order to be able to participate in this, and I'm, I'll show you that a little bit later, uh, we have to be a sower. We have to be able to be a sower. Uh, in fact, you know that scripture, uh, where is it that says God gives seed to the sower? Anybody ever heard that scripture before? You ever read it? Only me? You, I'm the only one? Okay. It's, yeah, Eldon, I know. Somebody had to read it. The Bible says God gives seed to the sower. I was thinking about that scripture because you have to look at what sometimes God doesn't say. He doesn't say I give seed to people and it turns them into sowers. I give seed to people and then all of a sudden they say, oh, I have seed, so now I'm going to become a sower. He said I give seed to the sower. You must already have a heart to sow because we walk around sometimes and say, well, God doesn't, I don't have any seed. I don't have any money to give or, you know, words to give or anything, tires, you know, to give away. What God doesn't ever, if he ever gave me something, I would plant it. Well, you need to check in your heart. Are you a sower? You have to already be a sower. I didn't say you have to already have sown something, but you have to have a heart to sow. God said, I give seed, come on, to the sower. Look in Deuteronomy chapter 8. He's talking to the Israelites. And uh, in, in verse 3, he said, it says, So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might, take, he might make you know that man shall not live by what? Bread alone. But man lives by what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of of God. Man will not live by bread alone, but every word is the word of God. And so we have to be able to take God and take heed what you hear. Take heed how you hear it, because you won't live by bread alone, but you'll live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Drop down to verse 16. I know you think I'm all over the place here, but I'm going somewhere with this. It says, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, with which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might what? Te prove you, that he might test you to do you good in the end. Why did God choose to supply to the Israelites in this way? In other words, he could have done anything. He could have grown up trees along the way, and they could have had overabundance of fruit uh, that was just already there. Uh, you know, there's a million things that God could have done, but he chose to give them manna every day. Every day he gave them manna, and he says it right here that he might humble you and that he might prove you. Okay, just remember that. Lock that away just for a few moments. Go over to Exodus now. I know this is a... Uh, exercise in how you know your Bible. But these are some easy ones. I didn't say go to Habakkuk or Micah, you know, one of those. Uh, these are easy ones right at the beginning. 
First few books of the Bible. Exodus uh, chapter 16. All right. Exodus chapter 16. Look down at verse 4. All right. The Bible says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold. In other words, look in awe. Behold. I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may what? Prove them, that I might test them whether they will walk in my law or not. God is trying to get something across here. He's not just doing manna because he doesn't have anything else to do. There's a purpose for this thing, that he might prove you and test you. And again, we are going somewhere. We're going somewhere. All right, Exodus 16, drop down to verse 15. Now, I want to read a few verses here. Uh, I want to go on down. This is what I'm just getting to for today. There's a principle that God wants to get in our hearts. Because you won't understand the principle of sowing and reaping until you fully understand this principle that I'm about to show you in your heart. Okay? You can't get this unless you get this one principle that we're going to get today, unless you get this in your heart. Uh, Exodus 16, look at verse 15. Start at verse 15. We're going to go all the way down uh, a few verses here. Look at verse 15. Where am I? Exodus, did I say Exodus 16? 16, 15. Thank you very much, brother. So when the children, now this is after he said, I'm going to give you manna. So when the children, verse 15, of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? What is it? We don't know what this is. What is it? God said, I'm going to give you this bread from heaven. I'm going to rain down bread from heaven. What is it? We don't know what this is. We never had it before. It's never been on the earth before. God said, I'm going to give you something. To- you never see. It's not been invented yet. What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, follow along here. This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is what he was talking about when he said, I'm going to rain down bread from heaven. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Now, here's how we got to do it. Take heed what you hear. Take heed how you hear. Let every man gather it according to each one need. One omer for each person according to the number of persons. Let every man take for those who are in his tent. And the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. Verse 18. So when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over. And he who had gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's needs. And Moses said, let no one leave any of it until morning. God is trying to show us something here. You gathered a lot or you gathered little, don't leave any till morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses, but some of them left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was angry with them. I just told you don't leave any of it. Why would you think they would hold some back, even though Moses told them don't leave any till morning? Well, I understand what he's trying to say, but just in case we don't get any tomorrow... Don't you think it would be prudent to stack some up? To me, that makes sense. I know you've already read the story. You know how it turns out. But, I mean, if you're in it, come on. That makes sense to me that we should 
hide some away or stack some, put some in the room just in case we'll have some more for tomorrow. Only problem with that logic is God said, don't save any for tomorrow. The only problem you have with that logic. So they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need. And when the sun became hot, it melted. See, God said, I'm going to fix that. You, now you're not going to be able to keep it till tomorrow. Because when the sun gets up and becomes hot, I'm just it's going to melt it all away. So now you can't keep it till tomorrow. Verse 22. And so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today and boil what you will boil and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until the morning. In other words, tomorrow's a special day. It's the end of the week. It's Saturday. It's the Sabbath. No work on the Sabbath. No gathering. So on Friday, God is going to give you enough for two days. Okay? These are specific instructions. Bake what you will bake for today, boil what you will boil, and lay up for yourselves all that remain to be kept until morning. Verse 24. So they laid it up till morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink. Why? Because the Lord told him to do that. Nor were there any worms in it. Why? Because the Lord said so. Then Moses said, eat that today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. Clear instructions. I don't know if you, I could understand that. Even I, who have trouble sometimes, I can understand those instructions. Verse 27, now it happened. Whenever you hear now it happened, you know something coming up. Now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. Sound like some of your kids, don't it? I just told you, and you went out anyway. I don't understand. Kids sound like some of your parents, don't you? I told you not to come in my room, and you came in there anyway. That's all right. We own it, so we can come in. Some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. What a surprise. I'm shocked. Seems like there would be some out here today. Only problem with that logic is God, come on. God told him it wasn't going to be there. The Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. And the house of Israel called its name manna, which means what is it? But literally, just literal translation Just what? What? Manna. What? Manna. What? Manna. What? What is it? I don't know what it is. God, through all of this, is trying to teach us a principle that with the Lord, there is a perpetual supply. There is no end to it. Now, I know it it can be confusing to our flesh. Because we are taught, we teach each other, rightly so, waste not, want not. Okay? Come on. Your parents ever teach you that? I know mine did. Try to teach my kids that. Waste not, want not. Use all the toothpaste in the roll before you throw it away. Come on. I didn't pay for that. You didn't pay for it. 
So we try to teach that. Waste not, want not. We try to teach, have a savings, have something in your savings. My mom used to tell me when I got my first job, just put $5 away every time you get paid. Just five bucks. You know, to me it was a lot. To her it wasn't that much. Put $5 away, you know, and you'll have a great savings by the time you get older. And obviously I never did that. It took me to older to understand that concept. But that's in our human DNA. Waste not, want not. But what God is saying, when it comes to a word from the Lord, when it comes to sowing and reaping, there is a perpetual supply from God. And therefore, it is not wasting. Why would God only give enough manna just for today? Because I've got enough. He's saying, I got enough for forever. But the problem is, I can't give it all to you now because it's not about the manna. It's about your heart. Why did he do it? To test them, to prove them. Do I have your heart? Do you trust me? When I speak a word, will you be, she gave the testimony earlier, obedient to what I'm telling you and don't try to figure it out on your own. God's going to give you this bread. What is it? Stop trying to figure God out. Stop trying to figure out how he's going to do it. All I know is when I sit down and I'm watching the basketball games, watching March Madness, come on, I hit the button, hit the number, two, four, five, and the thing turns. I don't know how the RF waves work. Mike Morgan probably knows how they work. Martin probably knows. I don't know. I just know I hit a button over here, and over there, numbers turn, and people playing basketball. If I hit another button, button, I don't hear anything. I hit another button the other way, it's loud. That's all I know. But I trust that thing. I don't go and say, well, I don't know if this thing's going to work. We better, uh, you know what, Michael, you go stand by the TV, and in case this doesn't work, you push it with your hand. We don't do that. We just pick it up and turn on the boob tube. Come on. That's what my grandfather used to call it. Why is it that we can trust inanimate objects (laughs) more than we can trust the Word of God? God said, trust me, I have a perpetual supply. There is a principle God is trying to show us here about himself, and that is that he is not enough. God is not enough. What is he? He's more than enough, more than we would ever want, more than we would ever need. And so we have to be able to trust him. That's why you can, have, you can sow your seed. Uh, we were talking about Ecclesiastes yesterday. I was reading in Ecclesiastes uh, the other day where Solomon was saying, listen, if you look at the wind, you won't sow your seed. If you observe the weather, you won't get a harvest. He says, but listen, in the morning, sow your seed in the morning. He's saying sow it in faith. And in the evening, do not withhold your hand thinking that if I give this away, I'm not going to have anything else when someone else is in need. Come on. Because God has a perpetual supply. Do you remember the parable of Jesus and the disciples feeding the 5,000? Do you remember in that story, how it, and we won't go there to read it, uh, so much more, but we'll get to that next week and the week after that, the week after that. Uh, You remember in that story 
the little boy had uh, what was his lunch? It was what two two fish and five loaves. That's what he had, and they had five thousand men, right? Five thousand men. So if there were wives and children, you know, no telling how many that probably double, maybe fifteen thousand hungry mouths or more, and they had two loaves, two fish, five loaves. Okay. So the, the story goes, they, they, you know, Peter or whoever it was went up to Jesus and said, now, Jesus, you, you sure are preaching, boy. This is, oh, this is a good message right here. I mean, this is a good message. And he said, listen, if it was up to me, I could go on all day long. I would just listen to this message, you know, but the people are hungry. And uh, it's not me, it's the people. The people are hungry. So what I want you to do, Lord, is why don't you just dismiss the people so they can go into town and get them something to eat. You remember this story? I know. I'm putting my own twist on it. Just give me some liberty. Give me some liberty, Brian. Come on. And, uh, and Jesus said, you give them something to eat. He said, wait, <laughs> me? So they looked around, found a little boy. Give me, give me, oh, look, this boy gave his lunch. Uh, but that's all we have. That's all we have are the two fishes and the five loaves. The Bible tells a story like this. It said Jesus, uh, he broke the bread, right? He, he, they gave it to Jesus. He broke it, prayed for it, and gave it, 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 it back to them. There was no multiplication yet. They gave it to him. Matter of fact, he broke it into lower denominations. He broke it, gave it back to them. He gave back to them two fish and five loaves. Then the Bible says they went around and gave. And when they started giving, do you know what happened? It began to multiply. No multiplication happened until they gave. And this is how God works. This is the principle. The principle of perpetual supply is such that you won't see the supply until you give. Come on, you know it. You know that you can't, your hand is full and you're hanging on to it. God can't give you anything else until you let go of what's in your hand. And until we understand and we're able to trust God in this, we will never be able to sow and reap in the kingdom of God. That's what it's all about. It's not about trusting. And I know that and now when I start to get into this, this kind of, you know, gets out there a little bit. Now you're kind of off the shore. You're a little bit out on the dock, uh, you know. But it, it's not about trusting in your bank account or trusting in whatever it is, your possessions, or trusting in your house and all the things that you've bought. And I, I paid for this car and, you know, I did all this. It's not about trusting in all of that. Sometimes God might just ask you to give some stuff away. I mean, you remember the rich young ruler? Come on, give it away and follow me. He went away sad. Why? Because he looked at it through human eyes. But if he would have seen this principle of sowing and reaping, Jesus was actually telling him, I've got so much for you, but I can't give it to you until you give what you have away. Give it away, sow it, and then reap what I have for you. That's the principle that God's trying to get into our heart. This is what I believe we need to meditate on, this principle of perpetual supply. And everybody says, amen, amen, yeah, that's true. But I tell you, when the rubber meets the road, it's a little bit difficult for us. I mean, in here, it's easy. I mean, it's easy for me to preach, you know, because I get a few amen, so it's easy to preach. You know, but on Tuesday, when God says, you know that thing that you just bought, uh, go ahead and give that, to, give that away. 
I'm like, well, I'm not in church. Nobody can really see me. I think, you know, I just tell them. I give them a word. You know, bless you, brother. I just pray for you. God said, I didn't tell you to pray for him. I told you to give something to him. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> in a few weeks, we're going to do something. Uh, Pastor Dietra is going to teach on first fruits, okay? And uh, she's already told you, just begin in your heart to think about this thing. Now, she's going to do a whole teaching on it and why and all of that type of thing. But begin to think in your heart. You know, we, we were talking about, I'm not trying to steal your thunder. I want to say this, uh, you know, and then I'll let you go. I didn't get to any of the points, but that's okay. We get to that next time. Um, you know, one of the things that kind of gets on my nerves, under my skin a little bit, and I think it does because I used to ask this question. You know, when you talk about like tithing, for example, well, in the New Testament, it really doesn't say that we have to tithe. I don't want to offend you. <laughs> I, don't, I, re- I promise it's not my heart because I was really talking to myself when I said this. That's one of the stupid dumbest ignorant things to say and you want to know why because what are you trying to do you're looking for ways to get out of stuff you see what i'm saying it's like well i really don't you don't have to do anything yeah you don't have to tithe you don't have to give an offering you don't have to give a first fruits offering you don't have to love people you don't have to go to work you don't have to do anything (laughs) just know that whatever consequences come along with not doing that is what happened. Or whatever blessings come along with doing it, you won't get. So that's okay. So I think that, take that off the table about having to do anything. Because God doesn't want you to have to do anything. He wants your heart. That's what he wants from you. So when we talk about this in a few weeks, think about it that way. It's all about nobody's going to know anything about what you do or what you give or don't give. It's not, this is between you and the Lord, as it is every week, as it is every day, as it is every moment of every day. This is between you and the Lord. And if he can have your heart, you'll ne- and if you become a giver, if you become a sower, you'll never run out. It's a promise from God. You'll never run out. He showed it to the to Israelites. He, told it, he showed it to the children of Israel uh, in, in flesh form with the manna. What is it? What is it? Jesus came himself and said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread from heaven. They looked at Jesus and said, what is it? Come on, somebody. What is it? We don't understand it. We've never seen it before. Get this thing in your heart. If you can get it in your heart, you understand this principle of perpetual supply. You understand the principle of giving and receiving the right way. Come on, not trying to, because I want to get rich, I want to do this. Don't worry about that. God, listen, Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first, somebody tell me, the kingdom and his, and what? Will be added unto you. Don't focus on all the things. Don't worry about what you're going to get. Don't worry about the results. God's got that taken care of. He's already promised it. Worry about your heart and worry about sowing and following what God tells you to do. Amen.